Welcome, everybody, to Slip Angle Show. I'm Austin Cabot, and today we're at Mid-Ohio Sports Car Club, and it is not 2016 or 2017. It is actually 2021, and I'm back. Sports Car I'm Course, back, boys. bro. Course. Oh, did I? What did I Set say? Club. Oh. <laughs> Whoops. What, My bad. What kind of... What kind of uh, contest in hell did we lose to get I'm this out of place practice. as a club? Then? I'm out of practice, man. It's a little uh, rusty. Yeah, that'll happen. Uh, I'm going to... Hi, Austin. Hi. Hi, Abe. Hey, buddy. Uh, how are the levels? They're, all, they're fine. <laughs> the levels are leveled. Uh, I'm going to bleed my clutch as we talk. So Very guys, nice. And I'll just jump in. We need to get, like, a lav mic for him so he can, like, I'm four feet we can, away. Hear, we can hear all the grunts and, and everything. My, like, my dumb car's right here. So. <laughs> Uh-oh. What's Which your car water? was out on track. Completed a race. Yeah. Almost, almost finished on the lead lap. Yeah. <laughs> almost. <laughs> well, I, I lost the clutch at the end. Cause oh, the, yeah. That's why I have to bleed the clutch. So it was like... I had to, like, perfectly rev match to get into fourth and fifth. <laughs> so I was like, screw this. And then I saw the, I saw the leaders coming. Um, I, was, I was fighting a pack in the back, and I started from the back. I saw the leaders coming, and I was like, if I time this perfectly, Cotillo and I can cross the start finish line at the exact same time. <laughs> we almost did. It's a photo <laughs> finish. Made, made for a good picture. <laughs> I did get lapped by 12 feet. <laughs> so, yeah. How's, uh, how's your motorcycle trip, dude? Oh, it's been great. It's been really good. So ended up going to Oshkosh, Wisconsin for the Oshkosh Air Show, and then went and saw my sister in Rochester, Minnesota, then up to Duluth, Minnesota, then Madison, Wisconsin, and now uh, I was looking at, like, you know, heading home, and I realized that Mid-Ohio was only about 200 miles out of the way. So I it said, takes a special the hell, kind of why person not? to just detour 200 miles to come to the racetrack. Well, I mean, I hadn't seen you guys in so long. Literally, it's been like almost two years since I've seen you guys in person. Speed ring in 2019, is that right? Uh, SEMA. SEMA. Yeah. Man. Seems so like it's, it's been a long time. Ago. It's been a long time, like right before COVID. That's back when I was still living in California. Good grief. Yeah. It's been, it's been a weird couple of years. But um, I've talked to you guys throughout the years in between. Maybe every like couple months I'll be on the show. Because you lived in Florida for a bit. And now yeah, for nine t- months. Now you're in Tennessee. Yep. So, which I think we, we did a couple shows where we talked about Tennessee uh, shortly after I moved. And then we also did that show with Kevin Burke. Oh, yeah. Um, back in, like, what, February, March or so? Yeah, man, that, even that seems like ages ago. I, uh, I lived in a different state then as well. That is true. That is true. I'm sure all the listeners know that you've moved, though. So, um, yeah, we're, we're in Kentucky, and I just drove my massive bus from Louisville to here at Kentucky, just barely. Yeah. Just barely. Like, I don't know. Uncle Rico could probably throw a football to Indiana. What do you bet I could throw a football over them mountains? <laughs> um, so we're here. You you showed up yesterday. How long was this motorcycle trip? And is the, this the first trip that you've taken in, in recent months that's been pretty long? This is the first long motorcycle the trip that I've taken probably in like two and a half, three years. Like of this length. I because mean, I've been gone did, for two you weeks. You did like the massive six-week motorcycle trip, yeah. like, trip on your Triumph. Yep. Do you still have that bike? I don't. So that bike got sold a long time ago, yep. back when I still live in California. Yeah, you sold it before you moved, right? Yeah. yeah. Yep. So now I'm riding a, a motorcycle that my dad bought in 2001. That's so cool. So Did it's a 2000 it model. He bought it lightly used. It had okay. like maybe 1,000 miles on it yeah, a from a guy that was getting yeah. divorced. Okay. And uh, like I, was, I think I was 12, 13 at the time. Went with him to, like, yeah. to go look at it. My dad lowballed the crap out of the guy because yeah. uh, the guy was getting a divorce and just needed to get rid of everything. Yeah. And uh, he didn't accept it, and so we started driving away. And literally, like, maybe two minutes after we left, the guy called my dad and was like, oh, okay, I'll take it. Yeah. 
So uh, has it cool bikes, man? So you said it's a V4 with the gear-driven cams. Yeah, so it's it's a Honda VFR 800 with. If anybody listening to the show remembers, which they probably don't, it's a. I've owned multiples of them. So when I got hit on the 405 back living in LA, I was riding a VFR 800 of the same generation. Obviously not the one that I'm on now, but. So there was a period of time when you were living in California that you spent a lot of your days tracking uh, motorcycles. Oh, yeah. And when you made the move from California to Florida, how many bikes did you have to sell before you moved? So I sold I sold two motorcycles in California. I had five, but on the big RV trip, I left one in Chattanooga because I realized like we'd probably be coming back this way. Got it. Um, so I left that. So I moved back. I had two that I moved back with. Um, or just one? No, I moved back with just one, but I had the other one as well. And then when my dad passed away, I inherited four motorcycles from him. Good. So, and then ended up selling a few of those. I feel like Austin needs a steady supply of motorcycles. Yeah, I mean... I also feel like I know where he got his problems. Yeah, Adam just said he knows where I got my problems from now, uh, from my dad, which is likely, likely pretty truthful, to be honest. So when we lived in L.A., I had five motorcycles, uh, and now I have four, but I picked up a 911, so it's kind of, I don't know. I have more things now. What, what year is the 911? It's an 84. Okay. So do, and do you absolutely love it? I'm sure you love it for a bunch of reasons. I love it from like a nostalgia standpoint. Uh, in my opinion, mostly stock 911s of that era drive kind of like garbage. Got it. Like, com- especially compared to a modern car. Right? Sure. A lot of people that are buying them enjoy that. For me, with all the track experience and everything, I don't necessarily enjoy it. Got it. Right? But it's, it's a car that I grew up around. My dad bought it in 1992. So I've just kind of been around it my whole life. Like, drove to prom in it, got my first speeding ticket in it, lost my <laughs> license awesome. for three months because of that really? speeding ticket. How oh, fast yeah. was it? 89 and a 45. That's a big ticket. At like 16. That had to cost like $1,000 to fix it. So what was interesting, right, is that my license actually got revoked by the juvenile court from the country that I was in. Really? And they never actually reported it. They just held your license at the court. And so my insurance didn't change at all. Oh, wow. I got really lucky. Uh, So you, for a little while, you were a Porsche Experience Center instructor, coach, or whatever? Yeah. Uh, How does... Like, how does the new Porsche stuff compare to, like, an old car like that? They it doesn't have, compare at all. they have any kind of similar feels or anything, or no? I mean, the motor's in the back, and that's about it as far as, like, similarities to feel. Now, what's been interesting about the 911, being able to drive it in the mountains a little bit and experience it, the they always got a bad rap as far as handling goes. But from spending so much time in an S2000, the car is just... It is so easy to drive. To me, it's easier to drive than than the Porsche or than the nine eleven or sorry than the S two than the S two thousand is. Yeah, um, just because it's it's not very high strung. Is it like pretty predictable at the limit too? Yeah, yeah. And the gearing the gearing on it's really long too, so okay. that might have something to do with it in the mountains. Five or four speed? It's a five speed. Didn't the, like, yeah, but it'll do like seventy eight miles an hour in second gear. Okay. Yeah, it was the four speeds came in like the in the turbos, right? Yeah, the nine thirty turbos had a four speed. This, this until like, like the last year, eighty nine, the yeah. turbos finally got a five speed. Okay. What uh, what what would yours be called code wise? Just a G body or impact bumper yeah. car. Or yeah. technically, it's a nine thirty, but a lot of people okay. consider the the turbo as the nine thirty. Right. But like all the parts are stamped with their part number. It's nine three zero dot. Oh, cool. Whatever. So so pretty. Such cool cars. It it is pretty cool. I, I want to get it 
road. Well, it is roadworthy enough. I want to get it to where it's comfortable enough yeah. and refreshed enough that I can start driving it to some events. Right. Not really to track, cool. just to like you, come out. What would you start with? Uh, transmission fluid. Okay. So the transmission fluid, I'm pretty sure, is probably the original transmission fluid in the car. Okay. My dad, while he had things and was able to take care of them, especially aesthetically, mechanically, things didn't always get paid the most attention to. I but see. he was also driving it in a much different capacity, right? It was a cruiser for him. Sure. As long as it hasn't lost any fluid, the gearbox was never really stressed that high. It was never really getting a lot of heat. Sure. So it was more just him cruising around, like most people's dads. Sure. You know, have a nice car, cruise around in it, bring it home, wipe it down, put it back in the garage. Yeah, pretty to much. To drive it the next weekend. Yeah. I, I noticed in my SI when I bought it, uh, the gear change from two to three would be kind of kind of grindy and uh, was able to just like, you know, change the, the transmission fluid and replace it with factory stuff or whatever. And like transmission shifts perfectly yep. again. So it's just like, well, you know, those are the things that you try and take care of. Yeah. And that's that's the way it was when I had the S2000, right? Like if the shifting started to get notchy, I knew that I needed to change the transmission fluid, yep. uh, which I did. I would always use Honda MTF. Good enough. And yeah, and it worked great. Yeah. Um, now, servicing the 911, is is like that transmission fluid service difficult or is it just something you've not just not done yet? No, it's, it's not difficult at all. I just haven't taken the time to yeah. do it, right? The car gets driven sparingly. The AC doesn't work that great. So through the summer, it's been kind of like on the back burner. Sure. In the wintertime, they salt the roads occasionally. So I tend not to take it out a whole lot during yeah. the wintertime. So it's like a spring-fall car? Yeah, pretty much. As long as it's not raining. Yeah. But, I mean, it's still got 10-year-old all-seasons on it. Oh, yeah. You know, that when I worked at Continental Tire, I got them for my dad. We wanted to put Extreme Contact DWs on it, but at the time, they were back-ordered. So, we went with DWSs. Okay. Um, which, which, is, which is a fine all-season yeah, tire. Yeah, it's a good tire. But what's nice, too, is it's keeping the limits a little bit lower on the car. Uh-huh. So that I don't, you know, just go and Feel send it. Feel compelled to drive hard? Yeah. So. That's, I mean, that's that's got to be pretty nice. Um, now... You're a working man again. I am. Uh, and you sell and customize airplanes. Right. So Cirrus Aircraft, who I work for now, runs a has a program called the XI Personalization Program. So when somebody elects to buy a new aircraft, they can also check an additional box uh, where we can do full custom exterior paint, exterior graphics, custom interior. Uh, we had a customer that came to us recently that really loved the Bentley Diamond Stitch. So it's Diamond Stitch, but it's also embroidered in between with like a one inch by one inch box. And uh, we were able to source that same material that Bentley uses to be able to put in this aircraft. Neat. So it's uh, it's pretty neat. A lot of the things that we get to do, a lot of the people that I get to deal with are car people. Um, some of them even have track experience. Now it's their budget may be a little bit different than what ours is. Like I'm here geeking about Miatas and EFs and stuff and these guys are racing brand new Porsche Cup cars. Yeah, for fun. Yeah, for fun. Yeah, not so, professionally. And it's usually arrive and drive while they'll fly their own private jet in. So sick. And show up to the racetrack, their car's there ready to go. That's wild. Though. Yeah. That's so wild. It's, uh, it's cool being able to connect with my customers on that level. Sure, yeah. So it's, uh, it's been a really fun job. Probably my most enjoyable corporate job. Probably just most enjoyable job that I've had. That's awesome. Yeah. Because you, you've, you've had opportunities in a bunch of different places. You've done a lot of really interesting stuff. And you've notoriously hated jobs. Yeah, that's true. This is, <laughs> this is the first job that I've really enjoyed. And, and really what I think it is, is this job wasn't sold to me as something that it wasn't. Sure. Um, I worked other jobs in the past where I thought the job was going to be one thing and speaking with management. And then I got into it and it was a completely different job. Sure. So for this, it's exactly what they represented. 
And uh, I really appreciate that. And, and it's the first mid-sized company that I've worked for. Okay. Right? I've worked for large companies that have 150,000 employees. Then I've worked like when I was running Speed Ventures. Right? There were very few employees there. Right. So this is kind of right in the middle where you're not working for directly for the owner. Um, but you're also not having to get tied up in the bureaucracy of everything. Right. The, uh, do they do any experimental home-built stuff? Seriously? We don't do any experimental stuff. The, so. the company started off that way, though. That's what I thought. So like originally they were kits, yeah, and the VK30 yeah. um, kind of started that way, which was why we consider EAA, which right. is Experimental Aircraft Association, yeah. the big Oshkosh Air Show. It's also originally it started off just as experimentals. Yeah, it's the biggest and then it's just kind of, the world now. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, this year there were 10,000 aircraft that flew in and out of so there during the show. My brother was there for like... 10 days. He brought the camper up the week before to get a good spot. Oh, really? He's out of his mind. Sounds <laughs> great. So, so I'm, I'm really sad that I, I missed connecting with Jeremy while, yeah, while I, we were I there. I didn't even think that you would even be there. I would, yeah. I would have told him otherwise. Yeah, so hopefully uh, I'll end up going to that every year. And uh, I've had such a good time on the motorcycle that I think I might start doing that trip on the motorcycle every year. Is so that round a first trip. gen Viper? That is, well, it's kind it of, a, it's a first gen. gen slash second gen. Right, so none of the first gens officially were coupes. Oh, that's so right. So technically, like, there is a first gen coupe, but it came as kind of like a refresh of the first gen. So, which I've always enjoyed those cars. I remember just drooling over those things when they first came out. The original coupe was like blue with white, white stripes. stripes. Yep. Yeah. So, and they were giving it away with Monopoly and like McDonald's Monopoly. Yeah. And that's when I, I fell in love with those cars. I think Vipers are just the coolest. I remember when they were given away. It was the blue one with the white stripes yep. and stuff. Dude, so, such an yeah. iconic looking car. And before that, it was just the regular Viper, right? The yeah. red with the yellow wheels. Yeah, the yellow three spokes. The yeah. yellow three spoke directionals. Yeah. Those things are sick. Dude. So I remember like 94, 95. I remember yeah. the first time I ever saw a Viper was in a showroom. Uh, my dad and I, like, he just took me to see it. I was, it was probably like such a five, thing. six at the time. Yeah, it was such yeah. a different. Car it was all. It was roped off and everything, and you so couldn't get close exotic. to it. Like, yeah, so so exotic. Yeah, which I I don't know. I know the newer ones are actually better cars, but there's something to me iconic about the earlier cars, the oh, '90s sure. Vipers, that I just really enjoy. Well, I I don't know. There there's something to be said about the adage that like you know bad is good, like there is so like much like a 911. There, there's so much like an air cooled 911. Bad is good. It's what you pay for. Like, uh, actually, I mean, I know that the used car market across the board is insane, but I've been amazed to see what the newest Viper ACRs are bringing on Bring a Trailer. Um, lots and just going lots for ridiculous and lots money. Of money, man. And like, you know, that arguably is one of the very last like insane track focused cars that's also kind of accessible. Yeah. Um, that that could exist. I mean, they're insanely fast and. Uh, Luke's was historically super reliable. Turn yeah. laps. I mean, he had to do some stuff like a trans, but like he did a ton of laps. I think he did an axle one time. So I learned that the trans problem was like the failure of a, like a two dollar part. Yeah, yeah. Really? It was just like that's they, always what it is. When they figured it out, it's like okay, it's fixed. Yeah. It. Uh, yeah, I think did tons of laps, and like he sold it for a ton of money. Not as much as I think but he could have gotten had he done a national auction. Probably. Like, yeah. The bring and trailer cars are. so so yeah. crazy. They, did they break 200,000 ever yet? I think 180, I think. Wow, really? Yeah. Holy Jeez. That's so much. That's it's one of those much. cars, kind of like, it, it just wasn't appreciated until it was gone. Right, right. So, I mean, and the, the big arrow, like, the fact that the fact that it's not a good street car, I think, was what made it kind of interesting as as a, a car for, for people. 
Um, but that said, there are also plenty of really, really good track-focused Porsches that you could buy. Yeah. Um, but they're just a little bit more mainstream. Yeah. Right? Like, the Viper's just, just kind of niche and weird in just the right way. Yeah, you know, if I, if I had the money and the desire, honestly, right now, I would get a GT3. I would get a GT3 as a track and streetcar. It's hard to argue with. Yeah. Actually, uh, Andrew Rains, who you know, yeah. has said he drove the uh, GT3 Touring. Yeah. And he said that among Porsches, that's his favorite one. So my favorite, at least when I was working as an instructor, was actually the Carrera T. Okay. So just kind of a bare bones, but it had it had the wider track that the GT3 has up front. You know, it had GT3 subframe. Yeah. And uh, it just... To me, there was just something so basic and simple about that car yeah. that just, I mean, it's weird to say like, oh yeah, basic and simple, it's a $90,000 car. You yeah. know, it's still, but in the scheme of things, Porsche, it's simple. So that was my favorite. And before that, I really enjoyed the Boxster Spiders. Okay. So to me, the Boxster Spider was just a really good car. If I, if I had the funds and just wanted just a fun like weekend car, Boxster Spider all the way. Um. Someone that I know who lives in Houston has, I think it's an 08 um, uh, Boxster. Um, just what a lovely car to own. Yeah. Like, it's a six-speed trans, whatever. I think he had the, um, there was a slight refresh in terms of performance and, and uh, body work, like right around 2008. He had the updated version, but he bought it and it was kind of ratty and he kind of freshened it up. And it was like, this is just a great car to go out and have and own yeah. and drive around. And well, what's cool, like you look at, you know, more entry level Porsches, kind of like Aaron Lichty's, his Cayman that he's yep. been racing. I mean, that's a base Cayman, yep. right? With like, with an updated front bumper, with a bunch of aero and everything, and it, it works very, very well. Yeah, and like you're talking about having you know stock engine stuff and stock trans stuff. Um, there's something to be said about being able to just show up at the track and drive a car and have it run. Well, that's the way my S2000 was for years, yep. literally years, and I never had a single issue out of it. Yep. When I sold it, it still had the original clutch in it. No original kidding. clutch, original flywheel, like trans had never been unmated from the engine. And at the time, you were, you were burning fast laps. Yeah. Like, I think my fastest lap here at Mid-Ohio was a 137, maybe? Pretty fast, dude. Yeah, like a high 137, and this was in 2012. Back when tire technology was slower. Yeah. That was probably on, like, what, RE71Rs or no, something? No, they weren't even released oh, that, then. Uh, that yeah. was before that. No, this, there was Hoosier, yeah. Art, Hoosier, Hoosier A6s, but still, takeoff Hoosier A6s. Yeah, yeah. Um, but still, I mean, that car, it, it's still going. Uh, yeah. It obviously, it has a K-swap in it now, and it's fully caged. Who owns it? Uh, David, for, what's his face? David Yinkst. Yep. Yep, out of uh, Birmingham. He's been to, he went so, to Good Life South a couple times, too. Yeah. So and I think the car is all one color now. Okay. So I think it's all red. He finally painted it. What what, what color was it when you had it? It was mostly Five red colors? and then black and white. And okay. So like the doors were black, the back bumper was black, the hood was black, the front fenders were white. So, so no no two panels that touched each other were the same color. Okay. So a little clapped out. Yeah. Well, I mean, it wasn't clapped out. It just I had an incident here at Mid Ohio in 2012 in the rain where I munched a fender. Yeah. Uh, I had an incident at Road Atlanta. No, the no, this was this was, was like when you the, were following the uh, the predicted time, and you yeah. Yeah. yeah, and went just went like a little a little hot over madness and went off in the grass. And with you know with the organization at the time, uh, if you went off, it would DQ your whole session. Okay. So so that was a little unfortunate. Yeah, that's a bummer. Yeah. So, but that's that's the event when I got home from nationals in 2012 that I had $200 in my bank account. Just going for broke. 
which it's funny. That's why I use that as a very good example. Everybody here has been very gracious and say, hey, like, you want to take my car out? Like, you're here at Mid-Ohio. I know you enjoy driving. Do you want to take my car out? And I just have to say no. Yeah. I really do. Honestly, like, me being here, it's a lot of fun, but it's also like an AA member walking into a bar. I, I get that. <laughs> it really is. No, I, I get that. It's, um, you know what, I... I used to drive, and I don't want to say it was as extreme, but at, for one season, I spent essentially everything that we could spend on car stuff. And now just being here is nearly as gratifying to me. I'm here in the RV. My wife is here. My daughter's here. The dogs are here. And we just get to hang out. And sometimes Matt Williams will throw me the keys to the fit. Yeah. And for me, that's good enough, actually. Like, the... The itch takes less to scratch for me than it used to. Well, so the bad part is I crashed in Matt, Matt Williams' RV last night, and now I want an RV again. Then hanging out with those guys, I'm like, oh, you know, a fit would be nice, too. So, like, it, it was a good decision to come here, but it was also a very bad decision to well, come here as well. Like, what we're talking about, though, is lesser versions, lesser, lesser extreme versions of your former self. Right. Like... Owning a fit and tracking a fit is way cheaper than tracking yeah. anything else. But what, you can what's, also drive it to work or whatever. Yeah. yeah. But what's, what's funny, right? I was thinking about it. I was talking to one of Matt, Matt Williams' friends, Robert, uh, who's started to do a lot of good life stuff. And he's yeah. like, hey, man, like, what year did you sell your S2000? I had to think about it. I sold that thing in the fall of 2015. It's right when we started like the it's podcast. Been, yeah. It's been six years yeah, long time since ago. I owned anything like track, track fun. You know, I, I own the wagon, yeah. but that wasn't really a track car. Yeah, It was still a fun car. It's still my favorite car I've ever owned. Right. But as far as like a track-focused car, 2015 is the last year that I own one. 2017 is the last year I had a car payment. Yeah. So it's kind of it's nice not having a car payment. Obviously, the cars that we drive now have more miles on them. Sure. But, you know, it's... Uh, just trying to live a little bit more simple at the moment. Yeah. Um, you know, everybody that does do it, like tracks cars and stuff, I have a lot of respect for them. It, it's it's this, actually, it's a lot larger commitment than a lot of people this realize. Wor- this world is like, a, it's a deep, dark hole. Though. Yeah. I mean, it's it can get crazy. Yeah. I mean, I think we say it jokingly, but quite honestly, like being addicted to heroin is probably cheaper. Yeah. Maybe a little bit more detrimental to overall life, but it could be cheaper. <laughs> So, but talking talking with Matt's friend Robert too. Robert has a couple cars, mm-hmm. and as somebody that's owned a bunch of different cars at the same time, it's a horrible idea. If you're going to do it, have one car. Right, right. It, it makes the most sense because what happens, I right? I love having one. I had yeah. three race cars at one time. Yeah. It was crazy. And what happens, right? If you have multiple cars, you get home from an event and you go, "Oh, that car needs brakes. I'll take this other car to the next one." All of a sudden. The car that you took needs tires and brakes, you, and you move you, on to the third one, and all of a sudden, all of them needs. need tires and brakes. You're like, what does this thing need again? Yeah. I haven't looked at it in four months. You know, yeah. Oh, crap. It needs so that. It just, I need order it, and I want to go to an event tomorrow. Yeah. yeah. So I know everybody loves like the dream of having like a bunch of cars. As somebody that's done it, it's a horrible idea. It's hard. Horrible hard. idea. I think for a lot of people that want like low-effort cars that can be tracked, it is really hard to argue with... like. An eighth gen Civic, yeah, yeah, like and really just even just any car, coilovers, brake pads, wheels and tires, and a good alignment. Leave it at that. If you if you're not going to seriously get into competition, you just want to go do track days. All of my cars, when they were at that level, that was peak as far as 
just enough to have fun with, keep it reliable, keep it fun without getting too crazy. Yep. Like my remember my Miata that I had that I used to throw the keys yep. to everybody? I think it was so fun. Yeah. And it was just it was cheap coilovers, wheels and tires and brake pads and brake lines. And that was it. Yep. And a roll bar. But that was it. And I tracked the crap out of that thing, as did everybody else. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like uh, I think, you know, there's there is a temptation as you kind of dive into the track community to you know, I, I need to have this mod, and I need to add this horsepower. Or do this, do this, do this. Um, like having a 500 horsepower track car sounds sexy until you start paying for fuel and brakes and tires and all of those things yep, right. that make it expensive to do track yeah. days. When not the, not understanding the complete cost, and like the huge, what it's going to cost the huge getting into it. Street tires, like they almost cost as much as Hoosiers too. Like they're yeah. expensive when they get that big. Like, yeah. And the newer street tires don't last nearly as long as the ones when I was running street tires. Right. No, because they're so much softer and faster, yeah, yeah. which is awesome from the, a performance standpoint. The Dunlop Star Spec, dude, the Z1, that thing yep. lasted a while. And, and it was, was, it was good fun. in the wet. Yeah, it was yeah. good in the wet. But, man, it would get, it would get stomped yeah. by some of, the, some of the fast tires. You remember when Falcon stomped. moved from the 215 to the 615? Yeah, yeah. Game changer, dude. <laughs> Game changer. Dude, the first tires I ever tracked on, uh, seriously, were like... 215s in like 2005. Yeah. Dude, I thought I had died and gone to heaven. <laughs> I know. I had done some all seasons, you know, and it was like, oh my gosh, I'm the fastest guy in the world. Yeah. <laughs> and those tires are like, remember the, the first time, now. the first time I ran Hoosiers was here for nationals Crap, in 2012. Crap. And like, I'd been on our comps and stuff before. Yeah. And all of a sudden, you go from like breaking it the two to breaking it the one or the none. Yeah. And yeah. you can just, it was, it was insane. Like, really you fun. have to reprogram your brain. The hard part is going back to street tires after that just for a regular track day. Yeah. You're blowing brake zones everywhere. Right. Yep. <laughs> everywhere. Your first couple laps, are, you got to reset <laughs> yeah. all, you know, unless you're Tom and drive something every day. Yeah. You got to reset all the things. Yep. <laughs> like, let's, original program, please. Yeah. <laughs> so my most, my most enjoyable time, I think, tracking was probably when I had the FRS. Yeah. And I could just throw tools in it. You know, just yeah. basic tools, because when you start getting into the community, you're like, oh, so-and-so, if I really need a jack, right. they're going to have a jack. Or, like, if I really need a tool, like, I'll be able to find one at the track. So you just throw a helmet, clothes, and, like, a couple yeah. other odds and ends. And then when you get to camp in the Gingerman Tower, you know, it's pretty it's pretty, pretty simple. I think those days are done, though. Um, quietly, yes. <laughs> Maybe the timing team gets to do that sometimes. But really, I felt okay. like a homeless man because I spent more nights out of the summer at Gingerman yeah. for various events. Camping without a tent. Yep. Yeah. Well, there was uh, one event season a few years ago that besides my own house, the the most number of nights that I spent in any other dwelling was Adam's RV. Yeah. A lot of them. Yeah. It's a lot of nights. Yeah. Well, it's the same thing for me. Like when I would fly in from California, you know, I'd hop uh-huh. on the train. And Adam would come pick me up at the yeah, Metro Line in the RV. event for a season, yeah. too, from California. Yep. So oh, I think for, almost for two seasons. Yeah. So I was doing that and then running Speed Ventures at the same time. There were, there were like, literally 13 weekends straight yeah. where I'd be at a, a Speed Ventures event and then Freaking a Grid Life event. Crazy. And then fly back, Speed Ventures event, crazy. come back, Grid Life event. Crazy. So, which was a, a really good time in my life. But right now... With how simple my life has become, I'm so jealous. It's actually very nice. That's it's. Uh, it is very nice. You got to have a good place like that for a while. Too, yeah. You know? I'm sorry to end this short because I love Austin to death, but I have to go be on the stream here before too long. At one fifteen start. Yep. If you guys want to continue, that you're. I got to go to false grid. All right. Well, I got to throw my suit on and head home. <sighs> you heading home now? Yeah. I appreciate the half like, hour, bud. Yeah, please, man. Please have it's been a really safe good ride. Seeing you guys. And uh, we're gonna call you more because we can record on this board. So you, we're just gonna you're just gonna be back in. I'm sorry, we're not giving you a choice. <laughs> Let's do it. The, Let's uh, do it. If I'm not gonna buy a car, at least I can be on the podcast. Yeah. The podcast is brought to you by Who Abe. 
It's brought to you by the, the patrons. Thank you. Bachu, bachu. And it's brought to you by yeah. FCP Euro. Right. And where every part you buy is guaranteed for life. And Apex Pro, uh, now offering Gen 2 and units for sale. also now offering super handsome men to walk around your uh, middle high paddock. That's Andrew true. Andrew Rain's over here hanging out. Looking very formal these days. Very, very pro. Man. Almost too pro. Yeah. Yeah. Get out of here, <laughs> NASA boy. You look too nice. Is he walking around in a tuxedo? <laughs> Uh, he, he's got a collared shirt. It's tucked yeah. in. He's the happiest man. I freaking love that kid. Man. <laughs> like, what a good dude. He should have brought Finch, too, man. I know. Oh, yeah. Finch is working yeah, for them now. There, yeah. That's right. I remember seeing that on Facebook. Yeah. So yeah. Finch uh, did a bunch, of, uh, a bunch of stuff with us last year. Like, a lot of events. Yep. So. That's true. I uh, hope to see him again, too. So, yeah. uh, Time to go. Yeah, man. Let's, uh, uh, let's go back podcast. on track. That's half an hour. Yeah. That's most commutes. And it's with Austin, so that's like right. extra. Right, <laughs> and he got to do the announcer. Just listen, yeah, listen to it on on two X, where it's just super slow. Yeah, and we'll, uh, we'll, all we'll make like, it an hour. We'll all sound like uh, like we're, yeah. You know. <laughs> Thanks everybody for listening, and uh, we'll uh, we'll catch up with you again soon. Slip Angle was created by Austin Cabot and Adam Jubay, co-hosted by Derek Yarbrough and production by Abram Schmucker, who mixes all of our terrible audio. If you like the show, please rate us and review us on iTunes and come and find us in the Pits of Grid Live to say hello. Hello.